This episode of Spread the Floor is brought to you by Joshua Sodder, designer and illustrator. The design world can be intimidating to navigate, and finding a high-quality designer who won't kill your budget can be super difficult. Fortunately, our friend Joshua Sodder provides a fantastic solution. Joshua has done tons of work for us here at Spread the Floor, including the design of our logo, as well as designs for our social media. He always listens to our ideas and requests, keeps in touch with us through the process, and gives us a ton of great options to choose from and work with. He's a true professional and goes above and beyond to collaborate with us on whatever project we have in mind. You can check out Joshua's work for yourself by going to joshuasodder.com and browsing through his portfolio. He's done some incredible work for Kent State University's Apple Store, startups and agencies all across the country, and podcasts like Mad About Movies. Check out joshuasodder.com or his Instagram at joshuathedesigner and hit him up for all your design and illustration needs, from logos to merchandise, branding to websites, and tell him we sent you. Thanks, Joshua. Now on to the show. Welcome into Spread the Floor, the world's first and only NBA podcast, probably. I am your host, Brian Gill, joined as always by the Hashim Thabit to my Johnny Flynn. It's my co-host, Tobin Hodges. Tobin, how's it going, buddy? I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> yeah. I did take a long nap today, so. Me too. Man, football naps, golf naps, etc. Big, big fan. Big the cool fan thing this yeah. year is that since the Masters is in November and they had mm-hmm. to start the the fourth round so early I the masters was over and I still had time to take a nap afterwards because usually like it's I nap whenever the leaders are on like holes like I don't know like seven to 14 and then I wake up for the mm-hmm. stretch final stretch but yeah golf naps are pretty legit though did John Daly win the masters no Is that no oh, but okay. I'm pretty sure he won the heart disease so <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah nice, nice. now Dustin Johnson first ever masters winner so okay well everybody's asleep now because you talked about golf yeah. um that's golf is the worst Tobin. you're, you're uh, the worst <laughs> <laughs> we have a very special program for you today uh we are recording this early in the week we're recording on sunday night um we are going to do a we're about to do a mock draft here uh but in order to do that properly we need to bring in some guests so i'm gonna i'm gonna get it going because i'm sure this this episode is gonna go six hours Tobin. so i'm gonna go ahead and bring in our guests and stop fooling around with golf talk. Now that you said six hours, it's actually going to go eight hours, probably. <laughs> That's true. So. That's true. I always undershoot. Uh, joining us now from the NBA Asians podcast, it's the Brandon Jennings to our Johnny Flynn and Hashim Thabit. Ariel Rada. How's it going, Ariel? Oh, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm surviving the pandemic, and uh, at least I had a couple of good games, you know? <laughs> I can score the bucket at least, you know? So Got a little run in recently. That's good, yeah. man. That's good. No, no, Brandon Jennings. You know, at least he could score the buckets. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. He's probably getting buckets somewhere, in like yeah. Italy or something. At least I think he uh, likes to play basketball, which you can't say that about yeah. uh, every every bust. Isn't that a bummer that you have to you have to say that? Like, <laughs> hey, at least this guy likes to play basketball. You know, he's not he's not some of these other dudes. All right. Uh, also joining us from uh, an, a soon to be defunct podcast, perhaps. So I don't know. I'm not even going to introduce it. It's our good friend, the Jordan Hill, to our Johnny Flynn, Hashim Thabit, and Brandon Jennings, Danny Weiser. Weiser, what's up, man? What's up? I actually look exactly like Jordan Hill for the listeners, too, by the way, so that's really interesting. <laughs> that's what I, interesting that's what I always say. Yeah. Uh, every time we're on a video call together, I'm like, man, is that Jordan Hill? No? Oh, it's Weiser. My bad. Yeah, My bad. Really specific NBA fans are just always <laughs> hounding me when I go to, go to Walmart. Are you Jordan Hill? I was like, how do you know who that is? 
Yes, yes. Well, guys, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for joining Tobin and I in uh, shenanigans and tomfoolery. Um, I said it real fast, but just to make sure the listener understands what we are about to do, we are going to go through the first round here of the NBA draft of what it looks like currently on Sunday night at about 8.50 p.m. Central Time. Um, by the time this posts, the entire draft could be different. I don't know. Uh, things are going crazy in the NBA as they are wont to do. But what we're going to do is we're going to go through the first round of the draft. We have divided up the teams amongst the four of us. Uh, so each of us have seven or eight teams to pick, I believe. And uh, we're going to we're going to go through the first round from from pick one to pick 30 and make our selections for each team. Now, this is going to be done in the fashion of who we would pick if we were the GMs of each of these teams, not necessarily um, what we think they will do or anything like that. This is just specific, just what we the GMs of these these uh, teams, uh, what we would do. And let's be real. We're probably better than at least like 10 GMs, I would say, in the NBA. I think between the four of us, we make up a brain trust that is better than at least like Travis Schlink, right? At least we can <laughs> at least we can say that. Um, I'm just going to keep shading Travis Schlink until he gets fired because I really believe in this. Um, do you guys like, let's do this real fast. Uh, I'm going to tell I'm going to say which teams I am in charge of. And then I'll throw it to each of you. You tell which teams you're in charge of. And then we'll just get going, okay? Um, I am running the Golden State Warriors, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the New York Knicks, the Sacramento Kings, the Portland Trailblazers, the Miami Heat, and the Milwaukee Bucks. Tobin, who are you running? I am the Minnesota. Yeah, good start. Uh, Timberwolves, uh, Detroit Pistons, San Antonio Spurs, New Orleans Pelicans, the 76ers, and the Raptors. Nice. Wiser? Yeah, I am the Chicago Bulls, Washington Wizards, Boston Celtics, Dallas Mavericks, and Utah Jazz. Awesome. And Ariel? I am the Charlotte Hornets, the Atlanta Hawks, the Phoenix Suns, the Orlando Magic, the Denver Nuggets, the Los Angeles Lakers, and my beloved enigmatic Brooklyn Nets. (laughs) Nice. Nice. I'm very excited. When we get to Ariel's pick for the Nets, we're going to do a dual thing. We're going to have the Nets pick be um, what we are going to go with for the remainder of the mock draft, but he's also going to pick for who the Rockets would select if he was in charge of the Rockets <laughs> in that pick because we think by tomorrow it's possible that that, that pick will have swapped for James Harden. We don't know, but we're, we're going to play it safe that way and, and have both. So be ready for that. Um, and, we also uh, and the just, Lakers. Yeah, the Lakers too. Thank you, thank you on that one. We we that Lakers trade with for Schroeder. We it sounds like that's a hundred percent. We're yeah. just we're waiting for the electoral votes to come in on that one, but it's going to happen. So um, the Rockets to the the Harden to the Nets one is at least feels like it's still uh, part rumor. So we're going to kind of do both on that one. But uh, yeah, so Ari will get a kind of a, an extra pick or two in there. Um, and just as a, a point of emphasis, we are not doing any trades here because trade trying to do trades in a mock draft or a mock offseason is just kind of a fool's errand. So we're not gonna we're not gonna do that sort of thing. This will just be uh, which makes it hard for a couple of these. Like the I think the the Wolves and the Warriors in particular are very likely to tr- or at least are seems like they're doing everything they can to try to trade out of those picks. So you know by Wednesday. Maybe none of this will matter, but but we are going to just carry on as if the teams that are selecting in the spots right now will be the teams that are uh, making those picks. So 
Without further ado, Tobin, you get to lead us off with the Minnesota Timberwolves. You are on the clock. Sir. I do think that if David Kahn was still the GM <laughs> of the Timberwolves, I probably would be better than him right now. But um, <laughs> I, I struggled with this. Um, I actually t- gave you the, the right to have the second pick, and I probably should have given you this one because I think I would for sure, if I was the GM of the Timberwolves, I would for sure trade out of this one. Um, but alas, we're not allowing trades. So... I think I'm going to do what's uh, what's best for the talent situation, and I'm going to go with Anthony Edwards, number one, to Mm. go next to D'Angelo Russell. And I'm going to preface this by saying that if this was a normal trade situation, I would trade back for um, either Wiseman or Okongwu. Wiseman would be a terrible fit, but that's probably what I would do. But in this Mm -hmm. situation, I'm going to go ahead and say Anthony Edwards for me at number one. I think that's a smart pick. Um, by the way, I may throw to you guys as we go and and just ask for a reaction to the picks. If you were not the person that made the pick, but we're, we'll get st- we'll try to get it, this moving with a little momentum, and then we'll see how that goes. Um, okay, so Anthony Edwards is off the board to the Timberwolves. Picking, I'm picking here in the two slot for the Warriors. Uh, Anthony Edwards, I think, would have fit pretty well there and might have helped us uh, talent wise as the Warriors. I keep hearing Wiseman is we, – we keep hearing Wiseman is probably the pick if they keep that that selection. I'm not super sold on Wiseman, and it's me making the pick. I'm going to go with Denny Advia here uh, for the Warriors. That's number one. Uh, on Tobin, my, any reaction? That's to number that? one on my big board. So the only reason I didn't go that way with the Timberwolves is I just don't know how that fits with sure. uh, D'Angelo. But, yeah. But I think I it's – yeah. Love... Can't go wrong with, with Denny at number two, in my opinion. If I was the Warriors – I think my number one, I would I really thought about a Kongu there instead of Aviat because he he fits from a positional standpoint and that was sort of a 50-50 thing for me but uh if I if I really could get my druthers I think I would probably attempt to trade down into like 5-6 range something like that and take a Kongu a Kong, excuse me a Kongu there so all right moving on to the Charlotte Hornets and Ariel uh I think the Charlotte Hornets will take uh, Okongwu, um, or I would rather take Okongwu over uh, over James Wiseman. I, I think the Hornets mm-hmm. have I, I, they have a couple of nice guards, um, you know, not including even Terry Rozier, um, mm-hmm. who might be traded. But with PJ Washington, and I guess they're still not they still have Malik Monk. Um, sure, I think if I think Okongwu has less bust potential than James Wiseman. I, I fully agree with you there. Um, I think that's the... It's it's weird to me. I think I said this on the episode that, that Tobin and I did about Ikongu, but it's it's kind of weird to me that we keep hearing how much Charlotte in particular wants Wiseman um, and just... it. I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't just sit there and take Ikongu. I don't know why you would try. I, I guess I can, I can say I understand having Wiseman above him on your board if that's the way you want to go. I don't, but that's fine. Like I, t- I, I see the, the appeal there. I wouldn't trade up to get Wiseman if I believed that Ikongu would be there for me. That's, that's kind of where I, where I draw the line. But, uh, all right, we're three picks in. Moving on to you, Wiser, with the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, I think uh, the Bulls obviously need playmaking, um, and there's two con- there's two guys that I'm I'm fighting with myself here, but I think even though it's probably an unpo- unpopular pick around these parts, I'm going to go Lamelo Ball uh, at number okay. four. Is the ceiling is 
the ceiling's super high with this dude. Obviously, he's just he's kind of a turd and isn't really going to be a scorer. Uh, but his playmaking potential is just is is through the dang roof. Um, and he's got Zach Levine next to him at least for now uh, to mm-hmm. sure. to kind of take on the bulk of the scoring. So uh, we're we're going we're going Lamelo Ball there for. Okay, I think that's the right the right kit pick. Excuse me for. Yeah. Uh, for the Bulls. That's one of the teams that I have is like whatever I think you should just take the uh the most talented person. That the person that has the highest ceiling. Yeah. I think they need that. Um so I think that's a good pick. I, I wouldn't want ball in a in several of these situations, but I, I think that's probably one of the better spots for him yeah. from a landing place standpoint. I have a question for actual if we think if Chicago is actually facing the choice between Lamella Ball or Killian Hayes, do you think they take Lamelo over Killian? Yes. Yeah. Well, I think they would. Um, I think, I mean, LaMelo is going to be so interesting on Wednesday and, and in the lead up, it's been fascinating, um, for me at least watching ESPN and the ringer kind of snipe each other back and forth over LaMelo ball specifically. Um, like Jonathan Gavoni was on Lowe's podcast and just kind of came for, for KOC, like really (laughs) went after him. And it was, I felt like it was, I, I love Javoni, I mean, uh, Gavoni, he's been, I mean, Draft Express was such a huge thing for me for, you know, 15 years ago, Draft Express was a huge thing. So I really appreciate what he brings to the table. It feels a little weird how invested ESPN is in LaMelo Ball, to me. It feels a little weird. And he's very chesty about it. And so um, KOC just kind of having to... Uh, laugh and say, well, that's not what I've heard. So it's it's going to be real interesting to see uh, what he could go first or he could go down to seventh, I think. I don't think he will get past the Pistons. Mm-mm. But to answer your question, Tobin, if I, w- I think there's the, the Bulls will take ball if, he, if he's there. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if they, if they really worked to trade up and try to get him at one or two. So I've got the Cavs pick here, and it's a real – I was hoping – I was hoping that a Kongu would fall here. I think that's the that's a great fit for them. I think the Cavs are in such a weird spot because they've spent their last two lottery picks on point guards who can't pass the ball really in Colin Sexton mm-hmm. and Darius Garland. I like Colin Sexton. I think there's a path for him to be a very good NBA player. I'm not nearly as as bullish on Darius Garland and I really hate the fit for him there. I just think there's one of those guys has to be moved on, I think, for them to reach their full potential. So right now, you look at the board, and it's like Halliburton and Hayes are great, um, but <laughs> do you really want to take a third point guard or or semi point guard for the you know third year in a row? I I just I don't know. I think you need I think you need talent. So I'm kind of torn between going with the ceiling play with Wiseman or trying to draft for more need, which is wings. They need wings all day, so maybe Vassal or Okoro. I do think because they are so bereft of talent, I would probably, in this spot, I think I'm going to take James Wiseman um, and just try to bank on... They're going to trade Drummond, so I'm not really worried about blocking him or anything like that. Um, But I think the talent... I guess that what I would say is the ceiling for me is higher on Wiseman than it is on the wings, and so I'll just end up saying this is probably – and if we suck next year, even better because that's more more lottery picks that hopefully we don't blow on players who aren't very good, like Darius Garland. So James Wiseman for me. Uh, any reaction to, the, to that, Wiser? 
Uh, Cleveland desperately needs something, even just the slightest bit exciting to happen with them. And so I think Wiseman's the Wiseman's the play there for sure. Because if nothing else, he's going to garner you some some attention and some somebody paying literally just the smallest amount of attention to you as a franchise for <laughs> the first time in, since LeBron left. Uh, so sure. I think if nothing else, then for that reason, that's a good call. But yeah, they're getting rid of Drummond. Um, they've got they. There's not going to be like a player you can plug in to make them a good basketball team. They're like eight mm-hmm. pieces away from being a good basketball team, um, sure. and so that's a good start. Take the swing on a guy who uh, has a super high ceiling, but unfortunately, pretty low floor. Also, totally. Okay, uh, Ariel, you are up next with the sixth pick with the Atlanta Hawks. Tons of speculation out there. I think it's pretty likely that the Hawks are not making this pick on draft night, mm-hmm. but we have no idea what that's actually going to look like. So. Ariel, what are you doing with the Hawks? In you're in the place of Travis Schlink, and you're immediately better. <laughs> um, so I'm not as super well versed in this draft as you guys, but uh, one of my draft philosophies at this point is, um, I think, well, not draft loss, but wings are more valuable than guards. I'm going to go with, sure. uh, and and when, even though we have uh, the we the Atlanta Hawks do have Trey Young. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with the wing and Patrick Williams. I think his oh, yeah. his free throw percentage at 83 84% is is like really encouraging and you're hoping that the open looks that Trey Young gets him will will lead to an increase in three point percentage. Mm-hmm. Um and I just I, I think that they I think that they just want, you know, it's just one of those teams that are just like, "Hey, we need we need a wing." Or they need I think they need a wing. I think wings traditionally are weirdly like undervalued in college and, and then over mm-hmm. uh, overvalued in the NBA because gu- guards are the ones who are super overvalued in, in college. So um, I'm, I'm going with Patrick Williams. The, the other guy I was thinking here was um, what's his name? Uh, Okoro. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But he shoots 67% from three and uh, yeah. from, yeah, from the free throw line, yeah. uh, from the free throw, excuse me. Um, which is like one of those things. I'm, I'm a big believer in that. Uh, but now that sure. now that uh, even though Patrick Williams may may have seemed like a reach, the big three that ESPN has been pushing are all off the board. What are our thoughts in how the first five picks shook out? I don't think this is anywhere close to what will happen. So we either look very stupid or or very smart. We won't know that for for a while. Um, but I think. Uh, I mean, I think Ball and Wiseman are the are, and and Williams like this is this is closer to where they should slot. I, I said last week on on our episode, I'm way lower on Williams than I than than the than the teams seem to be. Agreed. Um, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but I just don't. You know, there's just there's things that I like about him, but it was just it's so it's so raw to me to to be able to say, yeah, this guy will definitively be able to do the, to do this or to do that, but. But I do think Ball, Wiseman, and, and Williams, those are three, like, high-ceiling guys um, who, you know, I, I mean, like, a couple of them, I mean, I think Wiseman has a relatively high floor as well. It's just that he plays a position that, you know, if you are a above-average center, you're, you can find 20 of those guys on, you know, on the free agency market every year. So it's just, it's hard to to value that. Like, Ball and Williams are both guys that, Obviously, I mean the talent is so high. It's 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 unlikely that that, L- that Lamelo is like not going to be in the league in five or six years or something like that. But it is there is a, a pretty decent chance that he is 
shall we say, not as uh, not as impactful on winning as you might want from the fourth pick in the draft, you know. And and Williams could be the same kind of thing. It's it's very it's been interesting to watch how how this process has played out with those guys. I think. Um, yeah, and the there's last, uh, there's rumors that if you know the Williams has a promise from the Pistons at seven, which is the <laughs> pick I'm yeah. about to make. Um, yeah. so if he, you know, but I've also seen him go into Atlanta. The thing I don't understand is like, I feel like Vassal, who is his teammate counterpart and does these things better than he does. <laughs> and so, because I, mm-hmm. I'm kind of with you, like, I think that the, the media seems to be thinking that he is going to go to six or seven. So yeah, yeah it's kind of, it's kind of weird. <clears throat> Tobin, you mentioned the Pistons. You are now on the clock with the Detroit Pistons at the seven spot. And I have to imagine the Pistons in this scenario are very frustrated with the way that the first six picks have gone. I have to think they were at least hoping that maybe Patrick Williams would be there and they could bet high on the potential. Looking at the board now, I see a lot of guys who can be, who, who sort of project to be maybe the fourth best player on a team and, and very few that I could definitively say, yeah, if he hits his, his ceiling, he'll be a top two, two player. And that's what the Pistons need more than anything else in the whole world. So I don't know. What are you, what are you doing here with the Pistons? I think that they are so far away from being a team that's even remotely competitive. And they have a ton of pieces that they need to fill in with. Uh, and Blake Griffin being injury prone and, and very expensive. And now they're going to have to either pony up a ton of money for Christian Wood or lose him. Um, mm. And they only have one pick in the first round. And so... If I'm the Pistons and this is the way the board shakes out, like I'm probably like I'm looking at guys like <laughs> Halliburton and maybe Obi Toppin, but I think if I'm if Killian Hayes drops me at seven, I'm taking Killian Hayes. So that's that's who I'm gonna go ahead and take. I think that it may not be an immediate fix, but if you if you have a player with that kind of a you know uh, promise, you know I think you can go wrong. You can't go wrong with him or Halliburton in that situation. But I would probably take Hayes over Halliburton. Why is there any reaction to that pick? Yeah, I love Killian Hayes. Uh, I'm really big on him. The biggest complaint that people have about him is that he's not great with his right hand. And so if that's mm-hmm. the thing that you're stretching for when you're talking about <clears throat> negatives against him, then he's a pretty pretty stinking good basketball player because that's something that he can learn. Uh, so I really, really, really like Killian Hayes as a fit just about anywhere. I do too. I'm a, I'm a Hayes fan. That that would have been my pick as well, too. But in this situation, yeah. um, if it played out like this, I think that's a good – they just need talent. Um, and they have none. So whatever, whatever they. Can well, it do. also means um, that you don't have to bring Derrick Rose back either. Like you know, which which he was great sure. for them, but it means that you have a a place to fill in that gap as well too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I'm up next with the Knicks, who are another team that's. I don't think the cupboard is quite as bare as it is in Detroit, but it's not too far off from that. You're basically talking about R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson, and then all of the point guards who can't shoot and all of the power forwards who can't shoot. So it's not a great roster combination. There's a lot of work that needs to be done there. I would imagine that they too are another team that we're kind of hoping Williams, Hayes, Wiseman ball, a maybe one of these guys would have dropped. Um, and I think there is a, I will tell you guys, I think we're doing a pretty good job. This sounds very snobby. I think we're doing a pretty good job. I don't know that, that the uh, that the teams are going to follow this, and that I I feel like we're going to come out at least on our from our end. I'm going to come out saying, "Oof, I I, I kind of like our order a little bit better." But anyway, um, I don't. 
Here's my thinking with the Knicks. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton is the best the best player on this this board by a fair stretch to me. Um, he also is maybe not somebody that I will ever believe is going to be a true cornerstone foundational piece of my roster. And I have the 27th and the 38th pick as well, and it's a pretty point guard heavy draft at the the uh, late first round into the early second round. I think what I end up doing here as the Knicks is passing on Halliburton, which would hurt me. I would because I really dig that guy. Um, and instead, I'm going to take. I'm going to take. Uh, man, I'm going to take Devin Vassell here instead. And uh, gosh, Okoro. That's a tough one there. I think the ceiling's higher on Okoro, but man, that shot really stresses me out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, I'll, I'll go Devin Vassell. Um, Ariel, you have any reaction to that, what the Knicks should do? Uh, I think the Knicks are taking Obi Toppin if he's there. Okay. You know why? I do too, yeah, by just, the way, because the Leon Rose thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he, but he's, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's another bouncy Julius Randle. Mm-hmm. You know, and I really, I mean, I, yeah, totally, totally. I like Obi Toppin as a, as a guy and as a player. I just, man, I just don't know how the Knicks can do that. Their whole roster is... Well, and I mean, exactly. I, I understand the, the, the answer to that is you don't really care that you have Julius Randle and, and uh, Bobby Portis and all these other guys. You, you're going to move on from those dudes any, eventually anyway. And I, and I, I agree. But man, it's hard, to, uh, it's hard to spend a top eight pick on a guy that, I, that is blocked on my roster by other players who are not, uh, not part of my, my future, I think. It's, just, it's, it's a tough position, so... Maybe they're smart enough to trade some of those guys away and, and do something different, but it is the Knicks. So, um, right. I anyway. think they'll take yeah, him and they'll keep the guys. That's what I'm saying. I think they'll be so <laughs> stupid that they'll be I like, right. we made, yeah. they made a, a good result, but still somehow a bad process. Totally. Well, and even, even the, uh, the reasoning behind we're going to take Obi Toppin is because the, the agent connection is, is a bad. It's a bad reason. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Danny, you are up with the Washington Wizards, who are in real in real life are very hopeful for Okongwu. It seems, yeah. and that got just completely blown up the second this draft started. So, uh, what are you doing with the Washington Wizards? Yeah, speaking of cupboards being bare uh, here, the Washington <laughs> Wizards they just they've got Bradley Beal, who has been the center of trade talks for years now. Uh, they have the ghost of John Wall, and then they have other guys who are trying to get out of Washington. And so it's just you're you're starting over uh, essentially here. And so my my thought is kind of go with the boomer bust guy and hope that hope that he plays out uh, is what I'm doing. And unfortunately, there's two of them right now that I keep keep jumping back and forth between. I'm going to go Obi Toppin for the Wizards here. Obviously, they I want like a big. That. They want a big. They were hoping for Okongwu. Um, Toppin and Okongwu are ve- very, very different as far as basketball players go. Uh, Obi Toppin probably can't even spell defense. He's so bad at it. Um, and so it's, that's, not, that's not great. I don't know that he ever learns how to play defense. Um, but sure. he's such an exciting offensive big. And honestly, what do you have to lose if you're the Wizards? Go for mm-hmm. it. Sure. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty spot on. It is, it is jarring. Um, we were, we were talking off the air in our discord with, with our, uh, our buddy Brad who listens and he's a big Celtics guy. He was talking about Obi Toppin and it's just, it's jarring to me to watch him on offense or excuse me on defense because he's, his hips, it looks like his hips started as <laughs> shoulder blades. He has the highest hips like I've ever seen. And, and it, he, he struggles so much to just get into his stance and you're like, well, because 
it's really hard to bend hips that start that, at your neck. <laughs> That's tough. Um, it's tough to get down into a stance like that. But yeah, I, I like the pig. If you can just teach him to be a passable <clears throat> defender, not even passable, like a, a below average defender, really, yeah. and and gets you know he's got a I think he's got a pretty high IQ. So if you can teach him how to drop against guys who you kind of want to shoot and how to at least press out a little bit and then try to use your wingspan on the backside of that. I mean, you, he's going to be such a good offensive player that you just got to hope you can find something that makes it work defensively. Yeah. So I like that pick. Ariel, you are up with the Phoenix Suns. What are you doing with the, the bubble darlings? Uh, I'm going to go another, I'm going to go another maybe reach here. I'm going to go Sadiq Bay out of Villanova. Oh. He's older. You have made so many teams fr- angry now. Yeah, he, <laughs> down, he's, down the board. I like. He's older. He's a shooter. He's a three and D guy. And the the players I like most are in between. You know, uh, like uh, Halliburton, or um, you know, you take a shot on somebody like Cole Anthony. Like they're you don't want more mm-hmm. guards to be buried under Devin Booker and potentially Chris. Paul, um, sure. but a guy like Devin Booker needs a veteran point guard with him. Um, I think the Suns have mm-hmm. made mm-hmm. it very clear they're going to reach for guys who will shoot and play defense. Um, mm-hmm. And so I don't tr- like I said, is dropping because you just can't trust his shot. And so yeah. that brings us to Sadiq Bay, and he's I, I, I like okay. older guys for for teams who think that they can win now. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, Wiser, I know we, we're going to talk, we're going to do a bonus episode uh, later in the week talking about the Mavs specifically, and I'm sure Sadiq Bey will come up in that conversation, but real fast, uh, how do you feel about Sadiq to, uh, to the Suns? Yeah, Sadiq Bey is my draft crush this year. I've got one every year. This year, it's, it's mm-hmm. certainly Sadiq. You plug him into any lineup, and he's going to instantly improve your lineup just because he has NBA-ready skills right now as a 3 and D wing. Um, I probably would have gone point guard, if I were running the Suns, but uh, Ariel's right. They're, they've kind of got their, their eyes set on Chris Paul right now or some other veteran point guard guy. And so if they can bring in one of those, then I think Sadiq Bey is a really, really great pick um, If as long as they have some sort of veteran point because they need it real bad. They need some playmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm uh, kind of in love with Sadiq Bey. Nice. Okay. Tobin, you're running the San Antonio Spurs. You demanded to run the Spurs. You were like, just for old time's sake, because I love Tim Duncan and Tony Parker so much, I want to run the San Antonio Spurs. So what are you doing with the 11th pick? You know, when I was looking at the way this board has fallen, I I was actually like Sadiq Bey was going to be my pick um, (laughs) because I think that the – I'm kind of the same way. I I think that he's – you know, he fits any team and fits immediately. Um, They desperately need some front court, and I don't think that they're going to be making this pick. Come Wednesday, um, mm-hmm. there's been rumors of them trading, you know, up to get the six. Uh, there's been, you know, Aldridge and Rose, DeRozan might be going out. Um, looking at this big board, though, uh, I think what I'm probably going to go is if I see Halliburton drop into 11, I'm probably going to go Halliburton regardless. Because, mm-hmm. like, sure. you know, Patty Mills is on the block as well, and they're definitely in a, in a rebuilding mode and Halliburton has been as high as four on some boards. And so mm-hmm. if, mm-hmm. if that talent falls to me, I'm just going to, I'm going to take the talent and I'm going to run. Um, I don't think I would take a Coro cause I don't think I want another defender that can't shoot. Um, sure. especially if you keep DeRozan. Um, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yeah, I think if, I think if Halliburton falls to 11, you know, 
in, in a normal world, I, I don't think there's any like any way that happens. I think that pe- teams sure. teams would be trading up by now to try to get him from there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But in this situation, I'm going to take Halliburton. I actually think this kind of works out from a in a weird way in that I think one of the most likely rumor deals that we have heard uh, over the last couple of weeks is is DeRozan and 11 to uh, the Hawks for six and some kind of filler, perhaps something like that. And I think I know we, we've, we've definitely seen that the, the Spurs are interested in Patrick Williams. And I think you're right. They would like to get some front court play. Um, and also, I think Tyrese Halliburton fits really well next to Trey Young. So if those if that trade does end up happening, I think for sure this could be these two guys. Uh, those teams would be very happy with these two players, even though we've picked them for the other teams. Um, but I'm with you, too. I, I, I don't I think Halliburton go. I'm not sh- totally sure where he's going to end up, but I I think probably 11 is a little bit low for him. But uh, but I like the value there for the Spurs, and even knowing if they keep that. You know, Jamonte Mur- J- uh, excuse me, Jamonte Murray and uh, and Derek White are two of their better players, and now you got another guy. But you could kind of play all three of those guys together, I think, mm-hmm. if you can put some shooting, uh, some little bit better shooting. Yeah, around. neither so. neither of those guys are really playmakers. So uh, Demar, sure, sure, sure. Demar's their yeah. best playmaker right now, and mm-hmm. they're shipping him off. Yeah. And so I think, honestly, I think if they trade up to six, they might take Halliburton there at six. If yeah. if Demar, so if if he falls to eleven for them, they're thrilled. That's a great mm-hmm. pick. Yeah, good pick. Um, if I, so I represent the Sacramento Kings here, I believe, um, with the 12th pick and this worked out really well for them. I think they need wings. They need guys who can play actual small forward instead of being, uh, power forwards sort of shoved over to the small forward position like Harrison Barnes is. Um, so I'm pick, I'm taking Isaac Okoro and I, I think I'm pretty thrilled with that if I get him at 12, uh, the, the, the issues that I have with Okoro that, that you and I talked about, Tobin, in our Okoro episode, um, I think would probably preclude, preclude me from taking him top five or top six. But at 12, he is either the best or second best defender, wing defender in the draft, most likely. Um, and he, you know, he showed some flashes in here and there. It's just that he shot 26% from three. That will, that'll hurt you. Uh, but there's enough people out there that believe in his ability to, you know, to figure that out and to become a passable shooter. And he does the, you know, he plays the defensive side so stinking well. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm thrilled if I'm the Kings to have him next to Fox and one of Buddy Heald or Bogdanovich and then, you know, that front court of, of Barnes and, and, uh, and Bagley and whatnot. And, and I think I feel pretty good about that if I'm the Kings. Yeah, he becomes their secondary playmaker too, which is something that they desperately need. For sure, for sure. I think he fits really well there. Yeah, it wouldn't super surprise me to see them try to... I think he fits their team better than a lot of these guys, these teams that are picking in front of them. So it's it's a real possibility. I, I really thought about Okoro at, with the Knicks, too. But anyway, um, that's, where, that's where we ended up. We are back to you, Tobin, with the New Orleans Pelicans. What, do you, what are you doing if you're David Griffin and company? I think at this point, um, I'm going to reach a little bit. Uh, I have a feeling that, this, that Griffin's probably going to be uh, shopping this pick around, especially if this board falls the way it has. But I'm going to go and reach, and I'm going to take one of the best shooters in the first. I'm going to take Naismith here um, as a J.J. Redick insurance. Uh, I think that they, they could use somebody like Jalen Smith next to um, next to Zion, but if you have a shooter like Naismith to be able to handle kickouts from Ingram and Williamson, and that can also lock down a 3 and D spot, I think that that'll be huge sure. for them. So 
Uh, it's, it's a little bit of a reach, and they probably could trade back and get this get this you know pick. But I'm gonna go ahead and pick Aaron Naismith from is it Vanderbilt? Yeah, Vanderbilt. Yep, yep. I think Naismith is either the best or second best, just pure shooter in the draft. Um, so I think that's. A, I actually have him 12 on my board. So I think that's the the in this kind of draft. I you know he's probably gonna, probably got a fairly low ceiling as compared to some of the other guys. But in this draft, I, I think that's that's a that's a pretty wise selection for them. Uh, right there in that spot. Wiser, you are up now with the Boston Celtics. You're going to get to talk a lot on this, yeah. this year <laughs> podcast with the Celtics. I assume that you fall into the, I mean, it just seems ridiculous that they're going to, that they're going to end the night with three first round picks. Yeah. I mean, they're trading won't happen. some of these, 14, right? okay. 14 might happen. 26 and 30 are super not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, again, we have no idea who they could go to because, uh, trade rumor season is just wild and these picks have been sure. rumored to be traded to pretty much everybody at this point <laughs> um and they so offered them to spread the floor <laughs> yeah i wouldn't give tobin up so. yeah smart mm. um yeah i again probably not happening this this pick is a shout out to to brad who's the only celtics fan i know um and i know <laughs> i know how much he likes this guy so we're gonna go kyra lewis jr Mm. Uh, point guard out of Alabama for them. Uh, they're just they're one of those teams that I think they I think a big is probably their primary need, but there aren't any bigs that I think are good enough to take at fourteen when there are better players available. So this is sort of a best player available situation for me. Um, he's mm-hmm. he's an exciting, super super fast. Probably the, he's definitely the fastest player in this draft, and is probably the fastest player to be drafted since De'Aaron Fox. I think. Um, and I think he's kind of a De'Aaron Fox light uh, type of guy, but better defender. Um, I sure. like Kyra Lewis a lot. I think Celtics would be pretty happy with him if they stay at 14. But again, I, I they'll be trading these picks. I like that for the Celtics. I think they need um, – I mean, that's a guy who, who projects to, to be potentially be a, a pretty decent starter someday. But for mm-hmm. the Celtics, he is sort of in the perfect role for him, I think, at least at the beginning of just – kind of come off the bench and get buckets. Um, yep. he run the, he, he'll run the point in a, in a pretty efficient way. I, you know, I have some questions about whether he is um, really a point guard or if he's just kind of a combo guard. But for the Celtics, that's a kind of exactly what they, they probably need at this point. Yeah, he needs uh, help. He, you, probably, you definitely don't want him as your primary playmaker, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> but the Celtics <throat> have enough guys who can help with that playmaking role that he can kind of supplement that I think sure. he's a good fit there. Sure. All right, Ariel, we're moving on to you with the Orlando Magic. Um, just a quick glance at my board does not show anybody uh, in this range who has super long arms and probably uh, <laughs> jacks up their rotation even more with other dudes who can't al- also cannot shoot but have super long arms. But I don't know. Maybe you can find one for the Magic. Who, who, are, you, who are you picking here for Orlando? You know, I really wanted to take Poku here, uh, but he can shoot, so I just can't, you know, I can't get myself to do it. Um, <laughs> but it, you joke, but seriously, that I think the Magic are a sneaky, a mm. sneaky spot. Um, I'm gonna take uh, Tyrell Terry. He's just, I think he uh, was a point guard, or a guard out of uh, Stanford. He's great shooter. Mm-hmm. I think if Markel Fultz is in the plans for Orlando, um, in the future, I think he fits with Markel Fultz. Right? You know, you've got that. Guy, his athleticism is still there. Who can get to the rim, and you can play him with the bigs because the skill set plays off. I'm all about uh, complementary um, mm-hmm. like players, and I think Tyrell Terry kind of fits that that need. He because you know secondary ball handler, great shooter, um, 
apparently he's he's very active both off ball and on defense and so um sure. you know just the, the skill set fits okay wiser you're a you're a Tyler a Tyrell Terry guy what's what's your thought there for him with Orlando yeah he's another guy that you just you put him on any team and he's going to help because he has an elite skill and that elite skill mm-hmm. is shooting which is so mm-hmm. important in today's game um he's i mean think of him at like uh, he's kind of a Seth Curry, and every team is happy with the Seth Curry coming sure. off the bench. Um, and so I think uh, you you put him on any team, and it's not a bad pick. Um, 15 is about where I have him, but granted, I'm higher on him than most. I think I, I haven't been 18 on my big board, so it's not not a stretch uh, by any means. But, yeah, just shooting is so important in today's NBA that I think that's a pretty good pick, especially for a team like the Magic that, like, who knows what they're doing down there. They have no shooting, so I think that's yeah. yeah. Any any shooting you can get to them, I think, is a good thing. So I'm up with with Portland. I got to tell you guys, I had a hard time with Portland. Um, I can tell you what their needs are, but looking at the board and then comparing that to like <coughs> the needs, it's they're in a really bad spot. Uh, I think picking here because you know they want wings, um, but they want wings who are big enough to defend actual wings. Some teams, you know, you can get away with with playing with with taking a smaller wing player um, who can uh, defend maybe shooting guards and some small forwards rather than you know the actual two three four defender. The Blazers are in a weird spot because their backcourt's so small that you don't feel great about McCollum guarding bigger players. And so, I, my point here is Desmond Bain, I think, is either the best or second best player remaining on the board at this point. Great shooter, kind of fits some of what they need, but like he is not somebody that I think you can line up as a small forward and feel good about it moving forward. And then you have other guys that, I mean, they have a, with Zach Collins and with uh, Nurkic, they already have a fairly big front court. And then what do you do with with uh, Carmelo? It's just a weird, it's a weird roster. And I think they would be thrilled to be able to get Devin Vassell or or, or I think this is a real spot for Sadiq Bay if he's still on the board, but uh, but Ariel ruined our plans. So um, <laughs> I'm off to honestly, do. I'm. <laughs> I think if <sighs> I hate reaching, I hate reaching down the board, but I do think this is a team that if I'm running it, I think I might reach in order to draft for need rather than what I think is the best. There are several guys ahead of him on the talent standpoint, but. I'm going to go with Robert Woodard, uh, the second out of uh, Mississippi State, and just, hey, he's big. He can play defense. He, can, he shot pretty well last year, but in limited, uh, limited reps, so who knows? Um, I never want him to dribble the ball ever, but I need somebody who can at least <coughs> provide some backup minutes to Ariza and potentially take over for Ariza after this season. So uh, that's what I'm going with there. Hmm. Uh, any reaction to that, Ariel? I just think um – I think from spot six or seven all the way to maybe 20, 25, there are no reaches in this draft. Uh, <laughs> it's just not sure. that type of draft, right? This is like 2015, was it? Um, mm-hmm. The infamous Anthony Bennett draft where everyone... Yeah, 2013. 2013, excuse me. Everyone was just like, well, mm-hmm. we're doing our best. Um, this reminds me a lot of the Giannis draft where mm-hmm. number one was who? Uh uh, Anthony Bennett, yeah, same. Oh, same, same yeah. Year. Excuse me. Um, Twenty thirteen. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of Wiggins at number one for some reason. Um, but yeah, oh Cavaliers. Uh, 
Yeah, it's just, you know, (laughs) you have, I'm almost certain that, uh, you know, Edwards, uh, Ball, and and Wiseman will not be in a redraft. Like, one or only one maybe will be in the top, like, three of a redraft. I just, I just, I have that feeling. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, to me, that's why I'm just like, you know, like wings are, wings should be overvalued and shooting should be overvalued. And if I think smart teams will, will just do that. We'll just overvalue the skills. Like, uh, like Weiser said about um, Tyrell Terry, you're just like, Hey, are you good at this mm-hmm. thing? Like, cause, cause well, we clowned the Suns for, um, was it Cam Johnson last year? Uh-huh. And then mm-hmm. the kid can shoot and you're just like, well, Right. He'll be in the league because he can do one thing. And I, I think mm-hmm. in the uncertainty of this, of what's happening now, I think that's smart, really. Sure. Sure. Okay. Tobin, you're back up with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, you had the first pick. You took Anthony Edwards. Now you're here. You're trying to complete your roster. What are you doing with the Minnesota Timberwolves at 17? I think there's a lot of better ways to go about this. Um, and I know none of us, at least or three of the four of us are not how I'm not sure where Ariel stands, but um, if he's not gone yet, I think that if I'm the Timberwolves, I'm taking a risk on RJ Hampton at 17. Oh, interesting. Um, there are definitely in my eyes, better players to take there. Um, but RJ Hampton has a lot of um, untapped potential, I guess you could say. And he does have some defensive upside and some off-ball upside and, you know, could possibly be a nice six-man upside. And I think at this spot on the board, it's it's okay to risk this because you already got your guy in Edwards. Um, I think the other only other – like, I, I think Desmond Bain, you know, is mm-hmm. it could, wouldn't be necessarily a reach as much there. I don't – Jalen Smith sure. doesn't fit. Um, they could take, you know I, – I think Ty, Tyrell Terry would probably would have been my pick before – um, he okay. went up a couple a couple ahead, but I think at this point he's worth the risk. I know y'all disagree, but no, no, I I, uh, <laughs> I think there's spots where R.J. Hampton I think is a better pick, and and this is one of them. I I think at least it's because you he's the type of guy that like I look at as like like Michael Porter Jr. a couple years ago, where it's so stupid that the Clippers didn't didn't draft him because they had back to back lottery picks, and it's like kind of doesn't you, you you're kind of it's gravy, right? Like if he, if his back is a problem and he never really does well in the NBA or whatever, then you're just like, okay, well, we also got Shea. So we feel pretty good about that, that draft. And that's, I don't know. I kind of look at it the same way. That was my, uh, when we were talking about this off the air, that was my argument for the Celtics taking RJ Hampton. It's the exact same thing. It's like, they got three draft picks. So they can, you can spend one of them on a guy who is, pretty high on the bus, the boom bust potential. I think. Yeah. So, and I don't think he think makes it. If the Celtics end up keeping that pick, I don't think he makes it past that. Like I, I could be, yeah. you know, or at the very worst they trade back and get him later. I don't know. Cause I, yeah. One of the holdbacks for me with the Celtics with him is that they drafted Romeo Langford last year. And that's a, they're, it's, they're not the same player, but they kind of, they kind of fill the same voids in a little bit in a way. And they're both pretty, pretty raw so it's it's tough what i would do here and then i'll pass it on to you wiser to make our to make the mass pick uh i i think i think if it if the draft played out the way that it did here i'm not sure that i wouldn't take tyler bay here for the for the wolves because i think the wolves and the suns both were two teams that should have should have really looked a lot harder at brandon clark last year because i really think he fits well 
with their front court guy with Carl Anthony Towns and with uh, with DeAndre Ayton. I, I think Brandon Clark would have fit very very well next to them. Um, and Tyler Bay is the guy who reminds me the most of Brandon Clark in this draft. There's definite dissimilarities, and the shooting is a concern and stuff. Yeah. But, well, my argument um, to that because he's on he's pretty high on my big board. Like he's he's actually higher than Hanson. Um, mm-hmm. But they had they pick again at 33, and Tyler Bay is a very he could be got could be. at third, third, 33. So that's kind of be. was my mindset sure. behind it from the Minneapolis. I like it. Why do I keep calling okay. Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So I call him St. Paul yeah. from now on just to really throw it off. Okay, uh, Weiser, you're up with the Dallas Mavericks, the 18th pick, and now you're going to take Tyler Bay and ruin ruin Minnesota's You're dang house. right. Yeah, Perfect. absolutely. Uh, I, <laughs> like Ariel said, that it's hard to call anybody a reach here because 15 through 45, the players are going to be – there's not going to be that much of a gap in skill level. Um, and so you're drafting for need here uh, because there's not a whole lot of best player available type situations. Um and so, yeah, I'm at the at 18 here. It's between two guys. The Mavericks need uh, wings, and they need defense. So I'm taking Tyler Bay um, at 18. Nice. Um, it was between him and Josh Green. Um, I I just I like Tyler Bay a little more. I think Tyler Bay is a better defender. Um, I think Tyler Bay is a good shooter that doesn't know that he's a good shooter yet. And so once he mm-hmm. figures out that he's actually pretty good at it, uh, I think I think that's something he can certainly improve on. I think he shot like eighty four percent from the free throw line this year, so it's yeah. there um, somewhere. He just also only attempted one three point attempt uh, <laughs> per game. Um, sure, I think uh, I think he's a he's an immediate upgrade over Dwight Howard or sorry Dwight Powell, um, Tyler mm-hmm. Bay. Uh, he offensively have a fairly similar skill set. Obviously, he's not quite the role man that Dwight Powell is because he's elite mm-hmm. at that. But again, he is also coming off of a, a Achilles injury, which is right. not great. Granted that that affects your lateral movement more than more than it does your up and down movement. Uh, but still, mm-hmm. it's going to be hard for him to come back and be the elite explosive role man he, he was. Uh, Tyler Bay is a really great role man, uh, and I think is a better has a better shooting upside and is a much better defender and rebounder and so i love the fit for tyler bay for the maps sure we're gonna talk about this more in our Mavs specific episode yeah sorry you just you you listen you get me talking about tyler bay and i'm gonna go on a rant (laughs) i can't stop it yeah but we we all agree i think we are much higher on tyler bay than consensus is yes and um i would be there was a point in this draft process where I was like, I really want Tyler Bay at 31. I think 18 is a reach, and I'm not real, real sold on that. And I'm now kind of at the point where it's like, there's maybe another guy that's still on the board that I would, I would take over him, and we'll talk, we'll talk about the, that more as, uh, in that second episode, like I said. But, but I think he actually, because of the fit, he actually is a very viable selection for the Mavs at 18. So, um, we're moving on to you, Ariel, and this is the this is where things get real complicated. You have the 19th pick for your beloved Brooklyn Nets. Mm-hmm. Um, the weird part with the Nets is that um, this trade this this pick may not belong to them by again as as early as noon tomorrow because of the James Harden rumor. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to let you do. I want three things from you here, buddy. Um, number one, I want you to give me a quick. Uh, Thirty-second, yay or nay on James Harden, uh, <laughs> the potential target for the Nets to the, and I have to assume that the trade will not include Kyrie Irving. So, you will be <laughs> if this trade went through, you would be um, pairing Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant with uh, James Harden. So, I want to hear your thoughts on that, uh, and then I want you to make the Nets pick, and that's what we're going to go with for our mock draft purposes. 
but I want you to tell us who you think the Rockets would take if they end up with that selection. Uh, in terms of the Harden thing, I've talked myself into it. Um, I just think Harden is an offense unto himself. He never misses time. His greatest criticism is crunch time scoring and off-ball movement. Um, one, you'll put him on ball, right? Because Irving and and Durant have experience off-ball. Two, uh, Kyrie Irving will miss 10 games minimum. Um, Durant will miss... The first week. Huh? Mm-hmm. The first week. Of the yeah. season, right? uh, Durant will miss games. Um, <laughs> I don't think Durant will, will be nicked up in the same way that Irving always is. I just think, it's like, hey, mm-hmm. uh, there's a back-to-back. There's three in a week here. We're sitting Kevin Durant. Uh, I think James Harden will just play most of those games. Um, mm-hmm. And he's he's used to just playing with guys who just can shoot and do nothing else. So I, I, I talked to myself into it. And in crunch time scoring, Kevin Durant is there. He's the best crunch time scorer, you know, outside of Michael Jordan. Um, in terms of the Brooklyn pick, if I were if we were doing this exercise solely on who would the Brooklyn Nets pick, the answer would mm-hmm. be Leandro Balmero from Barcelona. Um, Interesting, because the Nets have a love affair with European guys who with with shaky jump shots. Um, <laughs> I'm not familiar with that, but okay. I mean, <laughs> uh, the the Nets have uh, Zan and Musa, and they they drafted mm-hmm. um, Rodian Kuruks, and they just take these shots at these Euro guys who they think can improve. Um, but I would take Desmond Bain here. Um, okay. He's a, a you know he's an okay sized wing. He's 22 years old. Uh, I kind of think he can do the things that you want Karis LeVert to do. Um, mm-hmm. And as an older mm-hmm. guy, you I think the math, right, the, the probability is that the older guys can contribute. And if you're, make, if you're Brooklyn and you're taking this pick and you've traded away Karis LeVert, uh, that's exactly what you need, a guy who can, who can sure. play defense. So that's the one I would take. Um, the Rockets, man. Uh, <laughs> if... Cole Anthony did not just hurt himself. Do, or, 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 here's the question. Do the Rockets have their 2021 pick? Yeah, yes, because they traded the 2020 pick, right? I think that's correct. I mean, they have it for now. Yeah, the Rockets they have to have picks. They can't do the stepping roll. They can't trade yeah. it yet. So, Okay. I, right. I would take, if I'm the Rockets and I have my 21 pick, and in this scenario we've traded James Harden, uh, I would take Cole Anthony. Because sure. you you believe that this guy is a talent, you believe that maybe you know you're picking at twenty, right? You're you're, you're going upside. Sure. Uh, yeah. He's injured. Hopefully, he gets better. And um, and I, I'm assuming Westbrook is gone. Also, that's the big thing. If Westbrook's there sure. uh, and he's there for a couple of years, you don't take Cole Anthony. But if he's gone, mm-hmm. Harden's gone. You've got your twenty one pick. I would take Cole Anthony there. I don't know, dude. Westbrook's a center now. He's not a point guard anymore. <laughs> Westbrook is a modern NBA. But he's a ball dominant true. center. Yeah. yeah. That's true. true. It's wild. Um, it's a weird world we live in. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I like that. I love Desmond Bain. I'm a big Desmond Bain guy. Um, and I try not to be because there are um there are a few Twitter accounts that are draft focused that have been preaching Desmond Bain all year and it's been kind of obnoxious <laughs> and I was like, I'm super out on this guy. And then as I really got down and watched the tape, I was like, okay, I get it. Like, this guy's really good. If he was 
if he was two inches taller and his wingspan was four inches wider, he he's like a top mm-hmm. seven pick. I think uh, he's he's the best or second best shooter in the draft, and he gets after you defensively. He just he's a little small for the wing. He's six five instead of six seven. You know, six 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 seven, and he has a negative wingspan. What's his neck and size that though? Always <laughs> thick. You hear about that? The Rockets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, so he'll be the power forward uh, for the Rockets. I mean, then it'll be great. Okay. All right. I'm making the selection for the Miami Heat here. Uh, Heat. The big thing is they just they just need they need some size. Uh, they need somebody to back up Bam. They need somebody potentially that they can even pair on the floor with Bam. And I would be thrilled if I was the Heat. If if Jalen Smith fell to me at 20, um, I think mm. I'd be thrilled. So. There are other guys on this board that I'd probably take over him if, if they fell, obviously. Um, some of the wings, obviously, I'm a big, you know, big believer in the wing guys and stuff. But I think I'm picking for size, and Jalen Smith has a lot. He has a lot of size. He's, he's very skilled. There are things that I don't love about his game that I think may hold him back from being, like, a truly, uh, you know, great NBA player or something. But I think he fits really well next to Bam in the minutes that we play to him, them together. And when they don't play together, I think he kind of holds down the fort with some of the stuff that Bam does, um, minus the passing and whatnot. So Jalen Smith's my pick here. Uh, any reaction to that, Wiser? No, I think it's a good pick. Uh, potential floor spacer um, on uh, a team that I mean, is not going to be mad at a little more floor spacing. Uh, block shots, rebounds, got to pair well with Bam because he's going to let Bam drive to the hoop while he kind of does the pick and pop thing. Yeah, I think it's a good fit. Philadelphia 76ers at 21. Tobin, you are on the clock. What are you doing? I, I don't. This is a weird, <laughs> this is a weird pick because I really don't know what to think about mm-hmm. anything they're doing right now. Um, weird roster, man. It is a it's very a weird, real, roster. weird roster. There are a couple of players that, that have fallen, I, th- I think, have fallen that I would love to take here. Um the name that I'm, I'm between two guys right now, and I'm literally making up on the spot. I think if I'm if I'm doing this in this situation, I'm probably gonna take um, probably gonna take Cole Anthony in this situation. I think Tyrese Maxey is is a good fit. I'm not sorry, not a good fit. Is you know he's falling on, on our board. I don't think he's gonna end up making it to uh, Philadelphia. But in this situation, I don't think he fits very well with them and. The last thing that the Sixers need is another point guard, you know, that really doesn't – that's a consistent, not a consistent shooter. So um, I think Cole Anthony kind of brings a spark as well. So, I mean, I don't like that pick at all, but I think that's what I'm going to go with. So They need a point guard real bad. And, I, you know, the talent is so, so there with, with Cole Anthony. So I, I, I totally get it. And I don't think Tyrese Maxey is really a point. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of – I know that that, that Theo uh, Maladon guy is kind of mm-hmm. jumping up the mm-hmm. board, and I could see them going that road. Yeah. But um, at least with Cole Anthony, like – I mean, Brian knows this. I'm, I'm kind of a sucker for, like, pedigree, you know, college players. And he's, you know, he's not a, you know, fantastic point guard by any stretch of the imagination. But, like, he is a, str- a true point guard. And so I think that could be helpful for the Sixers in that situation. Okay, moving right along. Ariel, you are up with the Denver Nuggets, who I've seen linked with a lot of different players. I really don't know what they're doing here. but uh, So good luck to you. What, do you. what are you doing if you're in charge of the Nuggets? Um, I'm taking Precious Achua, um, mm. the 
big Montrez Harrell like, um, I, I mean, you know, small center. Uh, Mason Plumlee's contract is up. Uh, you sure. don't need shooting at the four, um, but you can just have this guy who can pick and roll with either Jokic or uh, or Murray. And I don't think I don't think he is. I don't think there's too much positional overlap with like Porter because they'll just have very different mm-hmm. roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just kind of hope he's better on defense because Porter sure. is awful. Um, also, he's you know he's he's raw, but Denver has kind of that reputation as. Um, Patience, right? They're, they're patients and they have development. Sure. And so if you get a raw guy mm-hmm. who's projected, mm-hmm. who's just like a super energetic, uh, super, you know, t- athletic uh, guy, I, I think, you know, with a decent wingspan, that's that's a decent pick for Denver. I totally agree. I think this is one of the best spots for him. I'm not a big precious guy, but, um, and I've seen him link with the Heat a bunch, so maybe that's who they end up going with. And by the way, if they, if the Heat take precious or Paul Reed, whoever whoever the Heat take, they are right and we are wrong, <laughs> regardless of yeah. of whatever I said about them in the pre draft process, because they're they're always right on this stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I like I like Precious in Denver because it just you can kind of you can bring him along and you don't have to have him come in and do too much um, right away. And if you can just kind of tap into the energy bit for the first year or two, then and you know in the midst of developing him, then I, I think that's a good that's a good point for them. Yeah, he so, compliments Jokic really really well. There. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, think of pick, pick and roll um, top of the key with Jokic and uh, Jokic and Precious. That's so fun. Yeah, it's gonna be hard to stop. Yeah. Just like freaking train wreck. All I'm a, a, a freight train coming at you all the time. Danny, you are up with the Utah Jazz at pick number twenty three. I'm very curious to see what you do here. It's time. Uh, who are you selecting? It's uh, it's time, gentlemen. Uh, the Utah Jazz are going to take Poku. <laughs> oh, all right. I, just, all right. They, I had this pick locked in a week ago. Uh, they're they're okay. the team to do it. They kind of have, they kind of have that freedom to take a take a big swing on a guy because they don't have any like giant gaps in their roster. I don't think, mm-hmm. um, and so they have time to. I mean, they did it with Michael Porter Jr. Right? They took a big swing on a guy like that, uh, and so sure. I think. Wait, so no, sorry, he's on the Nuggets. Isn't he? That's my bad. Yeah, um, I Same just there. They're, yeah, they're, <laughs> I honestly, I get the Nuggets and Jazz confused all the time. Um, Mountain time zone. Yeah. You know, it's all. Uh, they just, they're in the position to take a swing on a guy, and, like, you're not taking a bigger mm-hmm. swing on anybody than Yarpoku. He's such a, such a tall, smooth, fluid, skilled seven-footer. It's, he's a very weird basketball player, and there's a really solid chance that he plays three games in the NBA and someone snaps him like a twig and he's back mm-hmm. uh, wherever the heck he lives. Um, but he, he's a guy that I think if you just give him a few years to, to build or to build his body up physically and to play against people who are better than high school basketball players, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see, uh, what kind of NBA player he turns into. He is definitively the best 19 year old that I've ever seen play against toddlers yeah, and 12 without a doubt. So, um, so there's, there's that, uh, yeah, I poke is he's whoever picks him, you know, they're just like they're gonna come out and be like, we got him, and then <laughs> you're either gonna look like a complete genius or a complete fool in in two or three yeah. years. So I'm excited for that. But I do I agree with you. I think that is a spot where he kind of makes sense. I think the Thunder are salivating at taking him at 25 um, if they can if they can pull that yeah. off. So, um, but but not in this not not today, Sam Presti. So <laughs> deal with that. Um, okay, I'm up with the Milwaukee Bucks. 
I'm in a weird spot here with him because I don't think Tyrese Maxey is going to make it this far down the board in, in real life. Um, if he is there, I think he is the most talented player left on the board. I also am not super sold on his fit with that team, especially as it stands right now. There's some Eric Bledsoe light to his game that I don't know that I necessarily want to pair him with Eric Bledsoe. Or, and if I trade Eric Bledsoe for something else, I'm not totally sure that I want to replicate that experience again. So um, I don't think they're going to be faced with this, this decision. But if they, since I am... I'm going to keep passing on them and go with a guy who I believe actually fits my roster a little bit better, who I believe uh, can contribute from day one in the roles that I need him to contribute to. He probably has a, a lower and potentially much lower ceiling than, than Tyrese Maxey, but I think the floor is also pretty high, at least in terms of what he's going to do over the, the first two or three years of his contract, which is really all I care about because – I got to keep Giannis, and if we, I can't sell him on, hey, this guy's going to be awesome in a year or two. So I'm going to take Malachi Flynn here um, and slot him in potentially as my, my, my day one starter and just kind of roll with it and live with, with the, the mistakes that come with it because I think he does a lot of the stuff um, that that team needs. Uh, Tobin, you have any thoughts on Malachi Flynn? I, I really like him. I think that, that it, like we said earlier, that that could be seen as a reach, but I, I really like what he's done at San Diego State. Um, I think that you're right. I think you can plug him in on day one and let him kind of be at least a serviceable uh, role player slash starter. And so, no, I think that that's if you are the Bucks and you are looking at that kind of um, win now, like make an impression now and, and maybe hit a home run, I think it's a great pick. Okay. Ariel, we're to you with the Oklahoma City Thunder, who have just been denied the right to draft the toddler unicorn in, in Poku. So uh, what are you doing at 25 with the Thunder? Uh, I'm taking I'm taking Tyrese Maxey. I just think uh, Smart. the Thunder are our best player available for the next two years. Absolutely. So, um, Absolutely. I thought about Jaden McDaniels here, but Tyrese Maxey still on the board. So got to mm-hmm. take the best player, most talented, most upside. I like that play. Uh, I think that's a smart pick. Danny, you're back up with the Celtics for the second time. You'll be coming back around here in a few picks. What are you doing at 26 in the mythical world in which the Boston Celtics actually take this? Yeah, this pick's not happening, and if they do, they're out of roster spots. So um, (laughs) I think we're going to go Leandro Balmaro here, partly because he's a draft Mm. and stash candidate. Mm. Um, And so that way they don't have to fill up that roster spot. Um, And he's a guy that I think uh, another guy given a few years could be could be a solid NBA player. He's a good ball handler, does some uh, does some exciting things as a playmaker. Um, Mm -hmm. Not a not a terrible defender. needs to learn how to shoot. Uh, But I think given him a couple of years, he could. But, yeah, it's this is uh, a big part of this is he's a draft and stash candidate. And they're just about out of roster spots. Yeah, I agree. Um. I think that's a. I think that's probably a smart play for them again in the world in which they they keep this yeah, pick. Um, I'm back up with the Knicks. I think if I'm the Knicks, I'm a little disappointed that I watched uh, Tyrese Maxey go two picks before me. Um, considering that, you know, he, he has he potentially could be a top ten pick mm-hmm. or you know eleven twelve something like that. If he goes to twenty five, I'm gonna be pretty bummed. If I'm the Knicks, they probably I took uh, uh, took Devin Vassell. Say they again, might sorry? trade up if that's the case. Like. Yeah, I think like so I, I think Tyrese Maxey actually fits fits a little bit of what they're what they're trying to do. But again, not a great shooter, and they they could use some 
They could use some of that. I took Devin Vassell in, with the first pick, or excuse me, with my first pick at number eight. Man, I don't like the board for them at this point. Oof. This is a... This is rough. <laughs> the guys that I have higher on my board, I'm not sure that they really plug into what uh, what the Knicks are, are doing here. And then the, the guard little situation is like, ugh, again, guards, point guards that can't, that the, the, the flaw potentially is that they're, they're not very good shooters. Um, I think if I'm the Knicks, I'm moving on this, this season, this off season from uh, Frankie smokes and probably Alfred Payton and, and DSJ. So maybe I want to start that point guard rotation over again. Um, gosh, this is terrible guys. I'm sorry. This is terrible radio, but I, I hate all of these players for the Knicks. I just don't like how any of them fit. I guess I'm going to go with a guy who I trust to be an actual, like a pure point guard floor general type guy that, uh, can hopefully be a calming presence for my team over the next few years. And I'm going to take Trey Jones out of Duke here. Uh, any thoughts on that? Uh, Tobin. Uh, I think that that's a, you know, a good pick in the sense that the Jones family has tended, you know, been pretty serviceable, uh, you know, point guards in the league. And I, I like Trey Jones at Duke. So I, I don't think at that, that point, that's a, that's any, you know, that's not a bad pick. And it gives you, you know, a chance to get rid of Frankie Smokes and maybe even Dennis Smith if that's po- at this point too. So, yeah, I like that pick. A little inside baseball. In our last episode, Tobin brought up Nico Mannion as one of his, like, kind of sleeper picks, and I just said, I hate Nico Mannion. I don't think he's an NBA player. And I was kind of a jerk about it. And then uh, a couple days later, Tobin sent me a video of Nico Mannion canning, like, it was, I don't know, whatever, 16 out of 20 yeah. threes in a workout. And so then immediately I sent him a tweet of uh, Trey Jones knocking down 18 out of 20 in the workout. <laughs> and I was just like, see? So anyway, uh, we're, we're having a little fun with each other off the air. Um, and we are yelling curse words at each other as well, obviously. So uh, that's how our relationship works. Ariel, you're back on the board again with the Thunder. We think, we assu- we're going to assume this one. But like I said, the, the Nets-Rockets one sounds like it's really legitimately a thing but we can't assume on that one we can definitely say this the Schroeder to the the Lakers in exchange for Danny Green and uh the 28th pick is gonna happen so we're just gonna go ahead and say he's picking here for the Thunder so what are you doing with the second pick uh and you know in since in the back half of the uh first round uh I'm gonna take Jaden McDaniels with this pick um he's a little small but uh I like thin rather but um you know, it's just one of those guys that's just – there's a decent spot for him. Uh, I think – wasn't he like he was big in high school? And so yeah. uh, upside, upside for Oklahoma is really all – the Lakers would have picked mm-hmm. like some big from four-year – or junior, that's like a, a big. But Oklahoma's going, you know, modern NBA. I like McDaniels there for them. I don't like McDaniels very much as a prospect. I just think I think the he definitely is a high high ceiling guy, but I think his floor is is like out of the league in two years low. And so I have some some real concerns about the attitude and and the way that he does not impact the game when he is not scoring. Um, he just doesn't really do enough for me. But I also I think that that Oklahoma City is one of the one of the best landing spots for him because you're you're getting to come into a situation where they're 
uh, kind of known for player development. They're going to get the, I assume they're going to get the most out of you if right, you're willing exactly. to do it. And if not, then you're going to be out of the league anyway. You know, them in so, San Antonio. Like those two. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Totally. I could definitely see the Spurs. If the Spurs had a late pick like they normally do, I think he'd be a pretty good fit for them as well. But, uh, but they don't. So, all right, we got two picks left. Tobin, you are selecting for the Toronto Raptors. What are they doing in Canada? I don't think that Josh Green is going to fall this far. Um, if he does, I think that someone will probably swoop in and get him. Uh, but if you're the Raptors, you, all you're trying to think about right now is, um, in my opinion, is Giannis in 2021. And so you're going to do what you need to do to replace, uh, probably either replace or um, compliment Kyle Lowry or replace or compliment Fred Van Vliet. So if I'm them, I'm going to go point guard. And I was probably going to say Malachi Flynn there but since um in and i think nico manu would be a little bit of a reach here um but i think in this situation i probably take tyshawn alexander in, at 29 Ooh, interesting my guy because you're gonna make uh wiser upset there <laughs> that, that was, yeah i just cool. i feel like that's if, if you're talking about a uh, you know get a, get a player that can come in next year and get some experience that that's also not a raw uh, prospect, but also a player that could complement a you know a big free agent splash in 2021 as well, and possibly be, be a um, a replacement for Kyle Lowry or Fred Lee. Like again, I probably would go Malachi, Malachi Flynn here but since you already took him. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's what I'm going to end up going. I think there's several teams, and and the Lakers were one of them before they traded out of this that both Flynn and a guy like Grant Ryler makes sense for in the, the back third of the first round because, um, you know, both of those guys probably have lower, like I said, lower ceilings, <clears throat> but I think they can come in and immediately do some things that, that good teams need, and you can kind of trust them uh, to, you know, not screw things up too much when they come in the, in the game the way you, you, know, you typically can have uh, with, with a rookie. So I, I'm with you. I think Flynn would have been a pretty decent fit for the Raptors. Um, and there's maybe another team or two in here that, that, uh, that might go that direction. Alexander's interesting. Alexander, to me, I think his range starts around this, like Oklahoma City down, maybe even – eh, probably. But he also could go undrafted, like I said <laughs> in the last episode, which is, which is wild. He could be the Lou Dort of, of next season. So – Wiser, you get to close us out with a pick again that's unlikely to happen, but who are you picking at number 30 with the Boston Celtics? Yeah, I came into this saying that the Celtics' biggest need was a big, um, and here I am not having drafted a big for them, um, and I'm still not going to because I think this is an obvious best player available type situation, and we know how much the Celtics like wings, and so they're taking Josh Green, and I think they're yeah. thrilled about it because he, this is, he oh fell. Gosh, yeah. if, he, if, he sta- if he gets to 30, then he fell a lot. Mm-hmm. I just the first time um, last week saw, and man, I wish I could remember which one it was, a, a reputable mock that had Josh Green in the early 30s instead of as high as like 18. Up to that point, I had seen him pretty much exclusively in like the 18 to 28 range, something like that. Um, and it seems like maybe he's falling a little bit, but but at thirty, this is insane, insane. Yeah, value, Boston's thrilled with him um, at thirty. He's, I mean, he's he does what Clay Thompson does, but way worse. Obviously, um, like he's mm-hmm, not, he's sure. not, and is never going to be Clay Thompson. But he, you can kind of tell he's clearly trying to model his game uh, after that. He's just a plug and play, uh, defense focused, and then offensively, he's just catch and shoot. Don't ask him to do anything else. 
but I, sure. I like Josh Green a lot. He's the guy that I was battling between him and Tyler Bay for the Mavs at 18 because I think mm-hmm. Josh Green's a really good wing defender, and that's what the Mavs need. And so, I mean, him falling to 30 is pretty crazy for me. Yeah, I would imagine if the Ma- in this scenario the Mavs are are really ticked if he goes at at mm-hmm. uh, thirty, and especially if Tyshawn's taking the twenty nine. Totally, totally. Um, real fast around the horn. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on on this, but looking at the board now, I'll start with you, Tobin, and then Ariel Weiser, and I'll cl- I'll, I'll back clean up. If you don't have anything, you don't have anything. No no worries. But anybody that jumps out as a uh, somebody who uh, you're maybe a little surprised is slipping into the second round, or vice versa. If you're if you're the Mavs or you're one of the teams, I don't know who has a second and third pick in the second round, but if you're one of the teams at the top of the second round that you're you're pretty excited, dropped out of the first, and you have a chance to take in the second. Start with you, Tobin. Uh, I think that um, Jameis Ramsey uh, from Texas Tech has been mm-hmm. has been on a fair amount of uh, low uh, first round, maybe high high twenties in the you know in some mocks. And he has the potential to be, you know, even better than that. If he if he falls, you know, to 32, 33, 34, I think that you have to be pretty thrilled about that because um, I could very easily see him going up as high as 23 as well. Um, like, like I said earlier, the Theo Maladon is seems to be rising on a lot of boards and a lot of uh, things. And so, like, if he, you know, we didn't have him on ours, but if he drops to under the second round, I think that that'd be a huge win for uh, some teams to either that are picking there or some teams that try to trade up to there. Um, I think there's still a lot of good value. I think this is this could end up being a a good role player draft class, especially with you know sure. guys like Vernon Carey and Isaiah Stewart. And I mean, we didn't get talk about Paul Reed. You know, there's there's plenty of talent mm-hmm. that we you could possibly get in a second round pick that may not be a cornerstone, but that could be somebody that could come in and give you some help pretty quickly. So, sure. Ariel, you got anybody to add to that? I ran up things to talk about after uh, about pick 22. <laughs> so. I like the honesty. Uh, Weiser, anybody you want to add to that? Uh, yeah, I, Paul Reed was my big one that is a guy that fell that I think is probably being taken in the first round. He's he's my best player available by quite, quite a bit. Um, I think Teo Maladon is another one that I think someone's going to take a swing on him probably in the first round. Um mm. But yeah, no. I, this is. I mean, I'm looking at the big board I made right now, and I think Paul Reed is the only person in my top 30 that wasn't taken here. Um, okay. And and Tyshawn jumped a little bit, but honestly, the more I redo this, the, I'm going to have Tyshawn a little higher. So I actually really love that pick uh, at 29. But yeah, no, I think uh, uh, what's his name, Maxi falling uh, quite a bit is pretty surprising. Josh Green falling a lot is pretty surprising. But other mm-hmm. than that, mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, I dig. Uh, I dig. Mal- I think Maladon is going. You, you both said it, but but I agree. He's going in the first round. I just don't know yeah. where. I also heard KOC say that he he heard Peyton Pritchard has a has a first round promise, which I found a little bit. That's a little bit high for me. Um, but I think he he had some value, so we'll see. Um, and I, I I'm much higher on Emmanuel quickly out of Kentucky than than consensus. So um, I think I think that guy is one of the three or four best shooters in the draft and he gets after you defensively. I, I saw somebody that suggested that his wingspan measurement was six ten. I don't think it's actually that, that big. I think it's probably something like six, eight and a half, but you know, it stinks that he's six three cause he's probably a one and a half position defender instead of a two or three position defender. Um, but I really like what he brings to the table as shooter defender 
and like tertiary ball handler, and probably not really a secondary ball handler. But I, I, in this draft, when there's just not so much talent that's just overwhelming, I, I like what he, uh, like what he can do. So we will see how it plays out, boys. This has been fun. Thank you for joining us, Danny and, and Ariel. Appreciate you guys being here. If you want to give a shout out to, uh, to your podcast and, and your social media stuff, we'll start with you, Ariel, and then Wiser, you do the same. Uh, you can find my NBA podcast at NBAsians. Um, we've been in a lull since the pandemic, but a couple of friends are going to be, um, should be coming on soon uh, with some off-season reactions. Uh, very, very excited. But you can find me on Twitter and uh, my ramblings at Portly Island Boy. Nice. Danny, what about you? Uh, yeah, check out The Rankings. That's a podcast I do with my buddy Ty. Uh, Brian, you and Tobin have both been on it for fun episodes. Uh, we just we power rank stuff, uh, and it's kind of fun. Um, follow us on Twitter at RankingsPod. Don't follow my personal Twitter. I don't really have anything interesting <laughs> to say. So. <laughs> I don't need more people hearing the things uh, coming out of my brain. <laughs> It's a lot of shady links, well, to be honest. Sometimes uh, I get bored. Just look, don't ever click on any DM <laughs> that Danny sends you. That's my that's my advice. Uh, boys, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for listening to this foolishness. We greatly appreciate you, listener. Hope you've had a good time with this, and and hope that you can uh, take this for what it is. And again, not some sort of predict. We're not we're not soothsayers. We're we're dummies. But uh, this was this was a fun exercise, and we love the draft. So we're excited to talk more draft stuff through the rest of this week. Stay tuned later in the week again for a Mavs-centric draft cast, draft episode uh, where we kind of go over some of the, the guys that we would like to see potentially get picked at 18 and 31 for Dallas. And then on Thursday, come back for even more of this foolishness as Tobin and I go over everything that happened on the actual draft night, which is basically like Christmas for he and I. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, if you like what you heard, again, thank you very much for being here. Uh, help us out by telling a friend, bring your basketball buddies around to listen to this podcast. Helps us greatly to carve out a little uh, niche in this very cramped podcast market. And leave us a five-star rating, five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And in that review, tell us the most obscure or random NBA jersey that you own or have owned in the past. Like I said, we'll be back later in the week with even more NBA talk in your ears. Until then, stay hard, Ronnie Rogers.